as the first Sunday of Advent, we're kicking off a brand new series that's called Honest Advent. And the premise behind it really, well, the premise is that there's this book, uh, that there's an artist named Scott Erickson. Online, he also goes by the name Scott the Painter. Um, and he does these different art installations for churches and uh, with different Christian faith-themed messages. And a couple of years back, he did this thing called Honest Advent. And there's an accompanying devotional that goes along with this. And that's actually, this is going to be the primer for the, the text devotional that if you choose to opt into that. You can also buy this on Amazon. You can buy a used copy. It's awesome. Uh, if you'd like to borrow it, um, I might ask for it back, but uh, I would love to lend it to you uh, for you to take a look at. Um, <clears throat> but really, <coughs> the premise of Honest Advent is that we're contemplating in this season the arrival of Jesus, that we know based on history that Jesus came some 2,000 years ago, and that there was a series of circumstances that surrounded all of that, and that all led up to his eventual crucifixion 33 years later. Um, but sometimes in the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, when we celebrate Christmas, uh, when we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, sometimes we get lost in the season because of one reason or another, whether that's we're going through a hard season or maybe we get caught up in all the commercialism and the, uh, uh, the communal numbing of our senses with decking the halls at home with lights and glitter and, and tinsel and all of that. And sometimes there's a disconnect between the story that we read in Scripture and the season that we celebrate. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be reflecting on the vulnerability of the incarnation. That, that's a fancy word to say that God himself became human, that he took on human flesh, a human body, a real physical body that if he were physically here, you could go up and you could touch him. And that's a very vulnerable thing. And so reflecting on not just the divinity of Christ, but also his very real humanity as well. And awakening us to the wonder of uh, that beautiful phrase that comes in the prophet Isaiah, God with us, Emmanuel. Reflecting both on how it was back then, how we can experience that here and now. And so you can go to the next slide. Um, there's going to be some provocative images because he's a painter and because I, I don't like to sugarcoat things and I think that they're really good images technically. So if it's triggering in any way, I apologize. Um, but the series is called Honest Advent. The title for today's sermon is called Vulnerability. We're going to be focusing on 
uh, a passage I've never done in Advent before, uh, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And the big idea that we're going to be grappling with today is that we connect with Jesus through vulnerability. We connect with Jesus through vulnerability. You can go to the next slide. Charlie Brown and Hallmark. So this last week, um, it's, it's, well, Thanksgiving kicks off the Hallmark Christmas season, does it not? And my wife Angie is a Hallmark person. There's no other way to, she just, she does the Hallmark thing. She watches it like on repeat and really doesn't need to repeat because there's always some new movie coming out that they, they just keep pumping out. Um, the funny thing about Hallmark Christmas movies, and they put out like hundreds of these per year, I swear, is that they always have a phrase in the show where they say the real meaning of Christmas is, and usually it goes something like spending time with family, you know, and like some like feel-good message sort of thing. It blew me down this week. We were watching a Hallmark movie, and in the opening line, it was the only time in the whole thing, but in the opening line, it said, I kid you not, the real meaning of Christmas is about when Jesus was born, or something like that. It said Jesus. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is Hallmark. They're, they usually sugarcoat over this, the whole thing. What's going on here? And I was blown away. One of my favorite uh, uh, shows to watch during the Christmas season, because I like holiday specials <coughs> as much as the next person. I do love, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and all those good uh, uh, rank and bass um, shows and everything. But my absolute favorite is Charlie Brown. It always has been. It always will be. Um, it's so much my favorite that um, my parents bought this uh, 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 record book where you can, like, it, it shows the pictures of it, and you can record your voice. And my dad actually did that one year for my kids for Christmas. Um, but anyway, I digress. So with Charlie Brown, as I'm sure you all have seen at one point or another, um, Charlie Brown is really grappling with what's the real meaning of Christmas. And it's not, I, I don't know if it's really a noble pursuit, but the main reason is because he's been in, put in charge of this Christmas pageant and all the kids are confusing him with all the different messages of what they think Christmas should be. And then, very simply put, Linus uh, tells him the real meaning of Christmas. He, he recites from memory on this stage with, you know, spotlight, please. And uh, he recites from Luke chapter 2 in the King James Version of the Bible. And what I love about it is that in, in both of these kind of situations for me this year, is that it's a clear reminder of what Christmas is really all about, what the Advent season is really all about. It's about Jesus. But not just Jesus as we might think of him, as we ought to think of him as God, but that Jesus 
actually became a human. And that's a weird thing to think about. It's as weird as that per picture on that first slide uh, telling you the title and the everything, where Jesus literally was a baby inside of Mary's tummy, right? He, he literally was born. He literally, you know, had to go through the process of growing up. If he fell down and scraped his knee, he actually bled. He actually had this thing that we call flesh, where it's a very vulnerable thing. You know, if you get cut with a knife, you, it hurts, <laughs> you know? And he was not, um, he was not immune to that. It's not that, it's like, just because he is both fully man and fully God, it's not like, oh, that did nothing to me. I, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I got a cut. Oh, no big deal, it'll heal. Oh, I'll touch it. it. It heals. That didn't happen that way. Like, he, he literally physically was here. And I go into all this detail because uh, you can go to the next slide. The psalm that we're going to be covering today, it's a very strange psalm uh, because usually it gets read around, um, uh, oh, what's the, the term for it? Uh, Celebration of Life Sunday in February. And um, it's the psalm where David is reflecting on God. And so David, he was uh, the second king of Israel. And uh, he was actually, the, the scriptures say that he was a man after God's own heart. Um, he was, uh, you know, that century's version of a guitar player um, who was also a shepherd. And he was like, a manly man because he was also a warrior and like he's just a good dude. Uh, he was not a perfect dude by any means. He had his faults. Um, but he wrote a number of songs as a good singer-songwriter would. And one of them is Psalm 139. And really it's reflecting on, you know, God's all-powerfulness, God's all-presentness, and then, you know, God's creation of us and reflecting on the fact that, you know, God, you created me. And from a human perspective, what that would look like. So <coughs> if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. You can also follow along on the screen. So David, speaking to God, or singing to God, rather, he says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. <coughs> I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. 
in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So we're talking about vulnerability. And you can go to the next slide. Um, when it comes to the process of a baby forming, as either you've experienced in your family or you have a loved one who has experienced it, there's this level of anticipation, is there not? Where <coughs> you're expecting this baby to come. You're expecting this arrival. And usually um, we have more perfected arts and sciences of how to predict when that arrival is going to happen. But you never really know. The baby can either come sooner or the baby can come later than expected. Uh, here in town, uh, Pastor Letitia, the kids pastor from Crossroad, a church that we partner with, um, you know, she just had her baby this week. Praise God. You know, uh, her name's Lois. And um, it's amazing. Uh, but we've been waiting a long time for that baby to get here. And there's been this anticipation for this baby to arrive. In Scripture and in the world, we have been anticipating, like we read earlier, for God to come and set all things to right. You can go to the next slide. There's this uh, passage in Romans, again, where uh, Paul is talking about uh, really this anticipation of when God, not just when Jesus came the first time, but when someday God is going to do, uh, he's going to come again and he's going to set all things right uh, once and for all. Uh, so Paul, speaking to the church in Rome, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. There's a little obstruction on the back because of some stuff there that, uh, yeah, anyway. So here in Romans, he's talking about that future day where we are all anticipating, and there's that hope again. And we're, we're hoping because we're not experiencing it now. Um, 
that's one way that you can tell that, you know, Jesus has not come again and we're not living in the thousand-year reign as some people maybe, um, uh, maybe persuaded in. Uh, because the world is not perfectly under God's rule and reign, is it? Uh, we still have all kinds of crime and brokenness experienced here in the world. Um, and so there's this anticipation. And for us, as we reflect on the season of Advent and the arrival of Jesus, for us it's a vulnerable thing to anticipate. Because for Paul, when he was writing, he was writing just like everybody else because they thought, you know, Jesus is coming soon. Well, how soon? Soon. Uh, we don't know how soon. And now, for us, it's been 2,022 years or so, right, since Jesus died, rose again, and then ascended into heaven. And so we still eagerly wait, and we still anticipate for Jesus to come again. And the season of Advent, it helps us reflect on that. And it helps us reflect on, you know, he's going to physically come again. We'll talk about that in a second. <coughs> so, we connect with Jesus through vulnerability. There's also, in this passage, the vulnerability of patience. Um, I love this image of, uh, this is a popular painting, um, and then he did his own, uh, Scott Erickson did his own rendition of it. But it's uh, this picture of Eve on one side and this picture of Mary on the other. And where it's, it's imagining this moment where what would, ha what would the conversation be like if Eve got to talk to Mary while she was pregnant with Jesus? And one of the profound things about this, you can go to the next slide, is that the very first prophecy about God sending someone to set things right happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God, <coughs> he's issuing, excuse me, he's issuing his, his judgment on the serpent, on Eve, and on Adam because of the fall. And so <coughs> when, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when God is issuing his judgment to the serpent, he says these words, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And here it is. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And that prophecy is, is something that it, it is telling of how Jesus is going to crush Satan's authority, the authority that he stole from Adam and Eve, and that Jesus is going to taste death. He's going to die. In, and we get that glimpse here in Genesis 3. 
And so it was a long time between Eve and Mary. And the patience that would be felt through that waiting. And reflecting on how for Mary, she had to wait like most mothers, you know, the nine to nine and a half months, somewhere in that range, to have this baby who was supposed to be the savior of the world. And what she must have reflected on when she would go to synagogue and hear, uh, you know, when she was staying with Elizabeth, her cousin, and uh, she would go and she would listen to the scripture be read and these messianic prophecies be, be told over and over again and shared, how she must have reflected and thought, wow, that's happening right here. It's also amazing to think, there's this song, uh, I love it. It's a newer uh, Christmas song called Seasons. And there's this line in the song that says, you could have saved us in a moment, instead you sent a child. And the decision on God's part to choose for Jesus, not just to come in guns a-blazing and say, here I am, I'm going to set everything right, right now, here we go. But he chose to come as a child, that intricately woven, fearfully and wonderfully made in the belly of a woman. Like he chose the slow path and the patience that that must have taken for God to decide to do that. It's a good thing that he's long-suffering. And so we connect with Jesus through vulnerability and, um, you know, the, the patience that all that took and the, the, the statistical um, challenges that come with childbirth, that was a risk for God to do. And so it's, it's an amazing thing to reflect on. You can go to the next slide. The vulnerability of revelation. Uh, it, this is a pretty provocative image, but it's, uh, it is what it is. Uh, Jesus came as a baby, friends, which means that he did things like babies do. Um, he needed to eat. He needed to sleep, so he probably cried a lot. Uh, and he needed to be changed. Um, and so I, I love this image, even though it's like, oh, I don't know how to grapple with that, but here we are. God chose to reveal himself as a human. And so like, as we read in uh, Psalm 139, you know, the, uh, my, <coughs> excuse me, uh, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret place and how all the days that were set for me were already preordained. And for Jesus, he chose to reveal himself this way. Now what's interesting, you can go to the next slide. There's this quote by a researcher, uh, storyteller, Brené Brown, um, who said this in one of her TED Talks. She said, in order for connection to happen, so like, 
interpersonal connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. And that's a vulnerable place to be actually seen for who you are. You can go to the next slide. So for God, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, he wanted to be seen through humanity. And so the scripture tells us that then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God chose to reveal himself through humanity, through the human body, that the glory of God would be reflected and shown through us. Now, yes, the fall happened and sin happened and we, we are broken and our, our bodies are decaying and some of us are further along in that decay uh, than others, but still we are the image of God. You are the image of God. Now, let me be clear, you're not God, but you bear his image. There is a stamp of glory on you that cannot be taken away from you because intrinsically, just because you exist as a human, you bear his image. You can go to the next slide. And so fast forward to the prophet Isaiah, we referenced this before. He gives this foretelling, this future message to say how God was going to do this whole salvation thing. And God said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. And so that God with us, <coughs> you can go to the next slide. God with us is God taking on the vulnerable canvas of the human body in order to personally reveal his glory and grace to us. I love, there's this uh, wonderful uh, Christmas hymn. We'll probably sing it at some point this season. Um, called Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and where uh, Charles Wesley in all his infinite wisdom and songwriting wrote, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And often, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I always focus on the deity because I know Jesus is God. And I think about, ah, oh, Jesus is God. Yes, he took on flesh, but he's God. You know, praise him. Let's worship him. Woo, here we go. And sometimes I forget just that, like we've been reflecting on this morning, the very real tangibleness of what it would mean for God to be veiled in flesh. That's a very humbling thing where it's like he had to be taught how to eat as a baby, right? It's not like he was just some 
you know, brainiac child who was just like, I know how to do all of this. Thank you, mother. Here we go. You know, uh, he probably fought Mary <laughs> on different things. Um, you know, the gamut. And so he chose that slow path. He chose that vulnerability in order to be seen by us. And so the question becomes, what about us? Are we willing to be that vulnerable with God this Advent season where the vulnerability that Jesus chose to do, he opened himself up and he said, I'm here. You can have access to me. My grace is sufficient for you. Here I am. <coughs> but it's a vulnerable thing to choose to connect with Jesus and to choose to open yourself up because ultimately that means that we are becoming vulnerable too, that we would be seen by him. You can go to the next slide. You can go to the next slide again. And so just as a recap, so... In this passage and in this topic and everything, there's vulnerability through anticipation, that expectancy. There's also the slow road of patience that nobody likes. Patience isn't fun. I don't care who you are. Um, patience is not a fun thing to go through because that means waiting, waiting for the arrival, waiting for it to come to pass. And then ultimately the revelation. And all of that is a vulnerable thing that God chose to do for you and for me. You can go to the next slide. And so for us, we connect through in the holiday season. Remembrance. We remember God. We remember moments like this morning where we reflect on the fact that wow, Jesus actually became a human being that you could touch and, you know, not that you'd want to, but like you could, like you could punch Jesus and he would be bruised, right? You could, that, you know, he could fall and, you know, all those things. He could break a bone. Ever think about that? That's crazy. But like, you know, as a carpenter, he probably hit his thumb a couple of times and I don't know what he said, but it was some sanctified version of fill in the blank. And so, um, but we remember, we remember Jesus. We remember him, yes, as God, but also as God with us in the flesh. We reflect, we reflect on his place in our life. We reflect on the fact that he was vulnerable to us and that he's inviting us to equally be vulnerable with him and to trust him with seeing us for who we are. And all of that leads to worship. Now, <coughs> in Psalm 139, you know, here we go. Uh, in verse 14, he says this phrase, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you. Reflecting on Jesus' humanity, on his vulnerability, 
on our vulnerability, all of that leads us to the place of praise and worship this season. It's okay to enjoy the different commercialization things about Christmas. It's okay to enjoy uh, the panettone cake. That was always a favorite of mine, or like a fruit cake. You know, it's okay to enjoy a holiday special, even if it's a Santa Claus-based one. Um, it's okay to go to a tree lighting. It's okay to, you know, enjoy these different festivities. That's okay. But the point of Advent is to lead us to the place of worship where we would remember his arrival and expect for him to arrive again to set all things right and that we would worship him through this season. Amen? Let's pray.